Well, we weren't here last week. We were uh, serving on our Surf Sunday, and I want to just thank all of you that did it. That was awesome. It was a lot of fun. We had some new projects. Uh, we were able to partner with some old of the same, and it was, it was fantastic. So thank you for serving. Thank you for um, giving in that way and not just uh, being complacent. Some of you served on Tuesday as well for loving. Thank you for doing that. Um, we really, really do value that, and it is important. I hope that you guys were challenged by that, and if there is in any way some cool story or something that came out where you felt like God was maybe doing something incredible or you were appreciative or what you saw him do in that, please share that with us. We love to hear those things. Um, we, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 17 through 24. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. Um, the ushers will grab them for you, or you guys can uh, look on uh, your, your mobile device or whatever else if you, if you can do it without being distracted by, you know, well, fantasy football isn't much right now, but whatever else you might get distracted by. But um, if you, uh, it's an interesting set of scripture that before we get in, I, I want to caution us a little bit because a lot of times we can come to scripture like this that's, that's, uh, that says what it says, and we can, we can maybe struggle with uh, kind of how to communicate that. Meaning that, that as, I, as I dive into this, as we talk about this, we've been kind of working through the idea of maturity at the beginning of the year. I've challenged you guys to, when it comes to Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul is asking us to mature. And so what are the ways in which God has, has been trying to mature you in your faith? Whether it's financially, relationally, understanding Him more, how you interact with God's Word, what, whatever it may be, he's, His desire is to mature you, to sanctify you, to grow you. But when we come to a scripture like this, it'd be really easy for me to push really, really hard and, and at the risk of some of you maybe coming in and going, leaving, questioning whether or not you're fully saved. But at the same point, I can't ignore the questions or the statements that the Apostle Paul brings in here. And so therefore, it almost seems connected to the question of, do I really understand what it means to follow Jesus or not? And as I, as I studied this, this scripture, it's interesting because most every scholar agrees that this book, the book of Ephesians, the, the, the letter to the, the church in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, is meant to be an encouraging letter. A letter where, where the, the people in Ephesus had just kind of lost their way, but they were, they were ready to hear something to strengthen them and put them back on kind of on, on the right course, so to say. And as I, I was wrestling, one of the other things that scholars can kind of agree with is that most everyone in Ephesus in this area had at least heard about the Apostle Paul. And they understood a little bit of who he was. And, and for the majority of the people, maybe some were still questioning and wrestling with the drastic life change from Saul to Paul and who he was prior to following Jesus and now who he is. But most scholars also agree that, that the people in Ephesus believed that he was a figure of authority on God. They, they, they surrendered and, and, and submitted themselves to him as an apostle's teaching in authority, in an authoritarian toward a way, authority kind of way. And so because of that, I think that's why this letter seems like a fairly gentle, kind of nice encouragement to get back on the right way. You fast forward a couple thousand years and you come to us where we have plenty of scholars that argue the validity of Paul and his ministry. Or scholars that want to argue the, the reality is, are the scriptures really what they say they are? And people love to twist and turn and, and make the scriptures kind of work to the way they are. Really what it comes down to is some of this, we, we're going to come to the scripture and we're going to be confronted really hard. What I realize is that, is that ultimately I think that this letter is an encouragement. And, and some of you, let me, let me just say this, and we'll, we'll pray again before we dive in, but, but some of you, this is going to be hard for you to hear today. And, and, and my thought is, is, it, is as, as I was wrestling with why would it be hard to us, maybe not as hard to them, is, is my main reason and the conclusion I came to is that there's a lot of us in here, whether we admit it or not, that aren't submitted to God's word. We we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, at, at the root of him being our savior, him being, him being the one that we want to be like, and him being who we all love. But when it comes to the scriptures, the word of God, we actually don't submit ourselves to that. 
Because what happens is ultimately we come to the scripture and we're like, ah, that's, I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like your interpretation of it. So therefore, I'm just not even gonna, I'm not even gonna submit myself to that scripture. And we run from scripture. So when you come to scripture like this, where God's trying to mature us, and he's displaying out which ways maturity looks for a follower of, of Jesus Christ, it, it, can, it can somewhat be offensive. And so my encouragement as, as, we, as we dig in, as we, as we study this scripture, as we look at what this means, my encouragement is twofold. One is um, that you wouldn't leave here confused questioning your salvation, but that you would, you would actually truly ask the question, what does it really mean to be submitted to Christ as Lord? And then the second thing is that, is that you would actually ask this question, what are the areas in my life that I'm not submitted to scripture? And maybe it's addiction, relationships, finances. I mean, there's lots of different ways in which we can find ourselves where we, we like the idea we like the thought process of it, but we're not really lining our, li- our lives up to it, so we're not fully submitted to it. What are those areas? So let me, let me pray. God, as we dive into your word, I pray that I don't get in the way of it. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to the hearts of, of your believers in here. You'd speak to the hearts of those that don't know you yet, Lord. God, I pray that, that we would leave um, with a desire to not just know about you, but to know what it means to live with you, Lord. So God, I pray as we, as we dive into your scriptures today, I pray as, as maybe it comes across hard to some or, or soft to others, God, that you would just do your work in the heart of every individual in here. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of, you get, one of the things you get through scripture is you get kind of title headlines. Even though those probably weren't there in the original letter, letter the title to this section, depending on your Bible, is, is kind of, it talks about the new life. And as you, as you noticed, I'm wearing this really hideous vest, right? And some of you are like, well, I don't know what, to be troubled because some of you think this is actually my fashion, like and you weren't questioning it, which is an issue, right? But, but there's this really great picture that I wanted to make sure all of us had. And first off, the, the picture is that there's this new self and old self. And this is the dichotomy that the Apostle Paul is going to bring in this. And he uses this language of, of taking off and putting on. This language where, where there's this actual act of us taking something off and then putting something on. And so what I want to do is I actually, this isn't even mine, this is Danny Pellegrini's, um, so you can make fun of him for owning this. But um, this, is, this is a really, really old jacket, and it does smell a little funny. But either way, I don't know the last time you wore it. But here's, here's the thing. The imagery is, is very clear, and I want you guys to set this imagery in your, in your mind. Is that, is that what the Apostle Paul, and we'll get there in just a second, what the Apostle Paul is, is pushing on us is that there is actually a process of when we submit our lives to Jesus, there's this process of, of, of undressing. Now, that's the only layer I'm taking. Sorry, guys, okay? Or maybe I'm, you're welcome. Either way, you say it, right? <clears throat> but this is, there's, this, there's this imagery of taking off and then putting on. And, and you can't escape this imagery because ultimately what, what God is doing kind of at a grand scale is he's taking us back to Genesis 1:27 here where we were created in the image of God, in the likeness of him as well. So it's not that we just look like him, but we were created to be like him. But due to the fallen world and the, and the mess that everything's come, we've move from that. So what we get is this beautiful, grand kind of overarching picture in this section of scripture where it's the writing back to where it was always meant to be, but sin has separated. So let's dig in. In Ephesians 4, verse uh, 17. Now this I I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Okay, Gentiles is used predominantly two different ways in the New Testament. Gentiles is a people group Gentiles were pretty much anyone that wasn't Jewish of, of descent. And so we, we see that being used in this book as well when he was talking just previously, you're neither Jew nor Gentile. No more people group differences. But then we also, they would also use Gentiles as those that did not submit or, or, or support Judaism. The faith of, of one God and understanding that, they were, they were following idols and all those other things. That then got converted into people that aren't submitted to following Jesus Christ. And that's, the latter is what this actually is meaning. 
So when he speaks about Gentiles here, he's not speaking about a people group. He's speaking at those that are not submitted or surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. So he says, you're Gentiles. You no longer, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. If you remember back to the very beginning of chapter four, Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, you must walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Again, this walk isn't like I'm walking some kind of weird strut. It's as you go about your day, as you live your life, this is what you are to do. This is what it is to look like. And so now he talks about there's a way that Gentiles, those that are not submitted to Christ, go about their day. And that is the way that is not, not in any way measured up or right in a right position in walking with Christ. So there's two different ways in which you can walk, two different ways in which you can live your life as the Gentiles, those that are not submitted to Jesus Christ and as those that follow Jesus Christ, okay? And he goes on and says, for they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So what he's gonna do, he talks about how we get to that state. It's kind of a review if you go back to Ephesians 2. He says, look, the Gentiles, they walk in the futility of their mind. But the reason that's it's futile, that it's not that they're not smart people. It's that the, that the beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. So it's that they, they don't have the ability to think the way that God created man to think because they are not surrendered to the God of wisdom. So as smart as they may seem, they're, they're futile in that. There's this futility in their thinking. The reason why there's futility in their thinking is because of the hardness of their hearts. And the reason why they're, and because of their hardness of hearts, it has made them callous to the teachings of God. It has made them posture themselves in a way that they are callous to God, or lose the capacity to feel shame or embarrassment. That's how that word translates. And because of their callousness or their, their ability to fear any kind, or feel shame or embarrassment of any sorts, they start giving themselves to all kinds of impurity. Greediness here is translated basically doing it my own way giving everything for my own way. What is about for me and not in God's way? I pursue only my destiny. And by doing that, I cut myself off from God, which is ultimately the reality of every single Gentile, every single person that has not surrendered to Jesus Christ is you are alienated from God. You are separated from God. And so he's, he's giving us this picture of what does it mean to walk like a Gentile? Well, this is what it looks like. There's a futility in their thinking. They're... they're, they're they're ignorant to truth. Because of their ignorance, they have a hardened heart. Because of their hardened heart, they object the truth of God and then give themselves to all kinds of impurities, which we will talk about in the next few weeks. And they give themselves to that. And so he's giving us this picture of this is what you're not to walk like. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, this is what you, shouldn't, you should try not to be. He says you should no longer walk as those that don't know the Lord walk. You should no longer be that person. And then he goes on. He says, but that is, verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. It's almost like he's, he's extending some passion in this section. Okay, he's, he's, he's saying, look, they're greedy, they're walking with impurity, they're, they're futility in their mind, they're, they're ignorant, but that's not how you learned Christ. That isn't how you or me or any other person here that's following Jesus, that's not how you learned Christ. The word learned Christ is, is the idea of one opportunity, one moment of salvation understanding. So this is uh, what Ephesians 2 talks about, us being dead in our trespasses, but now being made alive in Christ. At the moment of submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ, not just as our Savior, but as our Lord, we now learned Christ. And the Apostle Paul says, this is not how you learned Christ, which says a couple things about the people in Ephesus. One is, 
there's a chance that some of them are walking around like Gentiles, and some aren't. But either way, he's engaging in the fact that this isn't how they learned Christ. This isn't who Christ is. This isn't the way that he's, he's meant to be understood. And then he goes on in verse 21 and says, assuming. Now, scholars kind of disagree on the assuming. <laughs> this is a, assuming either that they did believe or it's more of a positive saying, because you did believe, because you did learn Christ, which I think it makes more sense the latter there with this context. As you did learn Christ, that you have also heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in, is in Jesus. So what he's saying here is, is that you didn't just learn the salvation of Christ, but then you've submitted yourselves to the teachings of Christ, which is the truth. All truth is in Jesus. Let me kind of cliff notes, end of the sermon. We can finish right here. The, the truth of Jesus is in these scriptures. This is why I began with saying some of us are going to really struggle with this because we don't submit ourselves to the entirety of scriptures. Instead, we get a feeling. We don't like the way it sounds. We don't like the way it makes people feel. Or culturally, it says this. And so we give ourselves to that instead of allowing the scriptures to be our authority. And if we're really, really hardened or callous, you know what we do? Is instead of submitting ourselves to the scripture, we start trying to find ways in which we can twist the scripture to make us feel better. Because we, don't just, we just don't like it. And he says, look, that's not how you learn Christ. Coming to Christ not only means giving to him of salvation, but then submitting yourself to his teachings. We've, we've been through his teachings here. We went through Matthew, the teachings of Christ. The, the, we are told that Jesus Christ is the word of truth. Word incarnate. He became flesh. He encompasses, he embodies all of the truth. So how are you doing on your submission to scripture? I think a lot of us, if we're honest, get impacted by scripture. Wow, that's a really amazing verse. It's a great topic to just understand some more, but we don't really let it sink in and cause us to walk in obedience. And the Apostle Paul is saying, Man, this isn't how you learned Christ. It's not, some, it's not some insurance policy for some distant heaven or hell kind of situation. No, this is, this is a daily life application right at the, on the ground level in front of every single step, every single thought, every single decision I make. This is who Christ is in my life. It's a submission to him entirely. And then he goes on. This is where we get the, the verse 22. He says, so put off your old self. Take that off. Take off the old self. The old self that is, it belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Hebrews 3 tells us that the deceitfulness of sin can bring about callousness. Do you hear that? I really need you guys to hear this because here's, here's the thing. My, my heart, my heart is, is breaking for a lot of us here. We assume that this sin doesn't have an effect on us. Hebrews 3 tells us that, this, that sin is deceitful and the deceitfulness of this can harden our hearts. We can, we can really wrestle with that. So those of us that just say, well, you know what? I love Jesus. He's amazing. He doesn't care about these other things about me. You're walking in your former life. That's not who you are anymore. You're walking around. You're picking up some old, ugly sweater or shirt, and you're putting it back on and saying, I think it's comfy. You know what? Like, it's going to come back in style at some point, which it probably does, right? You keep carrying it around. It's almost like you're, you're infested with lice. I mean, like lice, it's like rampant in you, right? So bad that like you can't, you take this, all these clothes with you to this trip and you're infested with lice and they go, it's a lost cause. You are like, your clothes are full of lice, your hair is full of lice and so they take your clothes off and they burn them and then they shave your head and they clean you of all the, the, the lice and they do the delousing or whatever they need to do and they're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 hang on. This suitcase is full of some of my favorite outfits. I love that shirt. I love those shorts. You know what? 
I'm clean, I'm just gonna keep this with me. I'm gonna carry this suitcase with me and hope that, that this, this lice-filled garment won't affect me in an adverse way in the future. And that's what we do. We continue to go back to our closet of old self. We continue to give ourselves to these old things instead of saying, no, you know what? I'm a new creation. I'm new. He says, no. These old self things, this is, this is one of the other things. It, and I want to say this very clearly. If, you, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, whether it was 40 years ago or four days ago, the scriptures are very clear. Okay? You're going to look different. One of, the, one of the guides that's kind of made its way into the church is that, well, to be relevant, we need to look really close to culture in hopes to somehow entice culture into loving Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that and they use scripture like Apostle Paul saying, I can be all things to all people. It's biblical, so let's just do it. The reality is, is, is God's truth is the only thing that's gonna break into someone's heart. It's the word of God. It's not how fancy I speak about the word of God. It's the word of God. It's not how palatable we can make it circumstantially in certain situations so that people can then, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll start stepping myself into it. No, it's, it's, a, it's a complete cutting of the old self. So when you walk in these old garments, when you, when you don't submit yourself to the truth of God and you continue to walk in this old self, you are disobeying the very truth. You're assuming that you can walk in this kind of in-between old self, nude self. So the, the way that this is said in the Greek is it's, it's a one-time thing. The new becomes new, the old is gone. And First John tells us that if we say we're without sin, we're a liar. Thank you for that, John. I appreciate it. Because otherwise I'd feel like maybe I just was stuck in my old self. And here's, here's, the, part, here's the part that breaks my heart. Is that there are a bunch of you in here right now that assume this old, raggedy, wardrobe, old self is all you're capable of. You walk around and say, well, this is the best it can be. This is as good as it's going to get. I really can't be free of, of that addiction. Or I can't be free of my love of money. I can't be free of my pride or my ego. And you, you, you believe the lie that that's all you're worth. Some of you right now, you're hearing this, and you're, you're, starting, to, you're starting to well up some of that, that, that guilt and shame. Let me be very clear. God does not convict us through guilt or shame. Guilt and shame is what we take the conviction and run to where the enemy wants us to go, to, to completely weaken us, to say things like, We'll never, ever get rid of this. I'll never lose that nasty vest. I'll never be free from that old pair of shoes. That's the enemy. Now, let me be clear. The Holy Spirit does convict. In fact, we're going to get there in a little bit. But, but the way we operate can actually bring about grievance to the Holy Spirit. So when you don't live submitted to scriptures and you find that scripture comes to your life, it's going to convict you. The right response is not to hide in shame the biblical and healthy and right response is to repent. That means to turn from it, acknowledge that sin, turn from it and give it to the Lord. Call brothers and sisters to walk with you in that. Walk in the freedom that is already yours in the new self that was given to us, not by our own doing. Old self would say, oh, nope, you're just never gonna create it. You're never gonna be there. You might as well find the hat that goes with this shirt and just kind of go all in. It breaks my heart to think that there are many of us in here that believe that that's all we're good for. Jesus then goes, or Paul just then goes on, he says, he says this corrupt is through deceitful desires. Verse 23 says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And 24, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If you remember back many, many weeks ago, I, I asked you how many of you felt like or thought that you were holy and blameless. 
and barely anyone raised their hand. I said, well, you're holy and blameless not because of what you do or don't do. You're holy and blameless because of what God has done. Well, here's, here's the beautiful full circle again. It's like Paul's just saying it all over again. He created you to walk in holiness and righteousness. Our sin broke us of that. And our old self then walks and we struggle and we battle and we keep moving through that. But we're still deemed righteous and holy because of what Jesus has done for us. What he flips right side up. So then he says right here, now walk. Walk in that newness of life. Walk as a new creation. Live as a new creation. Stop, stop going to those old filthy rags. Here's the next lie about it. Is a lot of our old self, well-meaning, and I'll use the quotations, Christians, will champion you for wearing old self stuff. Oh, man, you're just so real. Thanks for being so raw. I mean, granted, there's scriptures that speak directly against what you're doing, but it's so refreshing to have someone so real and raw. It's organic. We start using cool, like, church lingo words, right? Why? Because if we're confronted, if we're submitted to the scriptures, then we're confronted by our old self. And we cannot walk in our former way. We must now move in the way we were created to be, in our newness of life. You know what's amazing? is that the go-between between 22 and 24 is 23. 22 is this taking off the old self, and 24 is a putting on of the new self. What's the, what's the middle verse? By the renewing of our minds through the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that he doesn't say, well, well, you just need your heart in it. Just feel it a little bit more. I think so many of us have, have succumbed to learning Christ as if it's just some little hard thing, and that there's no renewing in our mind that happens. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our newness comes through our thought thinking. What is the state of a hardened, calloused Gentile? Futility in their mind. This isn't some like, oh, just be, you know, like, oh, Christians, they don't need to understand anything. They're just kind of blind sheep moving forward. Although, yes, there are a lot of things we will not come to full understanding. But if we're submitted to Scripture, we don't run from it. We let, we let those, those misunderstandings wreck our hearts and our pride and our control let them really bring about truth in us. Like there are many scriptures. That, again, I didn't want everyone to leave today going, man, I don't know if I know the Lord. <laughs> Great, I went to church excited about following Jesus, and I'm not even sure I'm following him now. That's not, that's not the goal of today. But let me say it this way. If, if all you see in your life is old self, if, if when you mark yourself, not against another believer, because that's not worth comparing ourselves to, but when you compare yourselves to the one thing that we're called to compare ourselves to, Jesus Christ, does it match up? Does, does, is, is your life marked by submission to Scripture? Or are you allowing culture or anyone with a microphone or a loud voice or a blog dictate what you believe about truth as opposed to allowing the truth to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you? So yes, I can, I can ask the question, like, I don't want you all to leave here questioning your salvation, but I can say this. First John tells us that we're, there's no sinners without lives. You know what else he says in First John? He said there will be many that were of us but will fall away because they were never really with us. Matthew, John, Luke, all the Gospels, Jesus has some fairly disheartening scriptures talking about people that will hear the word and will seem like it will sprout up really quickly, but then will fall away. Even Jesus uses a garment. If you remember the wedding feast, they weren't clothed in the right clothing, so they weren't welcomed in to the feast. The scriptures speak to this new self, this new Garment, here's what's crazy, guys. We walk around, you are, if you've submitted yourself to Jesus, you are new. And it's like you've got these brand new clothes. And you're like, man, you know what would go great with this? I know I'm not supposed to pull out of that closet. I know, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but you know what would go great with this? I just have this great, great jacket. 
It's, kind of, it's, just, it's more comfortable than the new stuff because the new stuff keeps forcing me to live not in light of myself, not in a greedy way. Isn't that interesting? Our comfortable old self fuels the greediness in us. It has to be about me and what I want and what I'm getting out of it and what I'm comfortable with as opposed to submitting myself to the fact that maybe this newness won't feel all that great right away, but there's no better spot to be than walking in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, which is what, hear this now, which is what he created you to do. It's not like he's trying to full a fast one and you'd be like, just kidding. I never had this plan before, but I got an idea. This will be amazing. No, from the very beginning, he said, this is what you were created for. Sin has dis- disrupted that, but I'm making it whole through Jesus Christ. Now walk in that way. You didn't learn Christ the way of the old self. Rid yourself of this. I started at the beginning saying that this is a, there's a, there's an is, a, a riskiness of making this a works-based thing. I, I got to be really clear on this. Okay, I can't do anything to make myself right with God. You got to go back to Ephesians 2 if you really want to understand what that is. And we talked on it. You can go back and get the podcast. But ultimately, my salvation is a work of God. My righteousness is a work of God. My holiness is a work of God. God has then invited me to walk in that holiness and righteousness and salvation. You can't have one without the other. It's not like we say, okay, cool, I'm saved, and my life doesn't have to look anything like that. I think the Apostle John would say, you were never really of us. You want to know one of the really great ways you can tell you're submitted to Scripture is when it confronts you what your first reaction is. If you're offended, that might be a cue that you're not submitted to Scripture. Now, I can understand offended by the way that someone says it, but I'm just talking about if you're in Scripture and you're like, I don't like that verse. That offends me. I can't believe. You know what? I'm not really sure this is, you know, perfect word of God, living and active. You know, this is more, this is like poetry. There's some good, like, wisdom things, nuggets to take from here, but this isn't really what we're supposed to live by, right? You unpull that string, you just unpulled Christ. You just undid everything that he stands for as the word of truth, as the word incarnated in the flesh. You, you, you can't undo these. Learning Christ means welcoming him in as a living person and being shaped by his teaching. This involves submitting to his rule of righteousness and responding to his summons to standards and values completely different from what we have known in our old self. So if you, if you, are, if you are wrestling with Scripture, in a good way, I encourage you, wrestle, wrestle. Do it. Dig in. Let God speak to you. But if you're just getting truth to just have some kind of cool knowledge that doesn't mark your life in any specific way, I'm just going to tell you there's a character in the Bible that that really speaks closely to, and it's called a Pharisee. And Jesus kind of turned them upside down too. If you hear these words, if you are confronted by truth and your knee-jerk reaction is to say, fight it, then you're not submitted to it. You're, in fact, dare I say, your, your deceitful desires are callousing and hardening your heart. And you're risking this. And so I, I do want all of you to pose the question, maybe it's not, am I saved? But maybe it's, God, where am I not submitted to you? You know, I really love the idea of you being my homeboy, you know, walking with me through the day. But where, where, where specifically, where specifically am, am, is your word trying to penetrate, trying to work into me, and I'm just, I'm just turning my head and running the other way? I'm stiff-arming it. I'm pushing it away. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your addictions. Maybe it's in your submission. Maybe your issue is just you just don't know how to submit. That is, the, the culture has made that such an ugly word. That is probably the most beautiful word ever. 
Romans 10, 9 says that if you want to acknowledge him as true, you submit to him as Lord. Submit. Wherever it is, my, my encouragement, my challenge is, is, is God's trying to mature you. Sanctification is learning to submit to him in all other areas besides him as Lord and Savior. So as he provides with you, hey, you're not submitted to me in your finances. Hey, you're not submitted to me around this computer screen. Hey, you're not submitted to me in this relationship. Hey, you're not submitted to me in your pride. Wherever he's taking you, whatever he's teaching you, you surrender to it and say, God, I'm not going to walk in this old way. I'm not going to carry these old garments. It's un- un- unneeded weight and baggage, and, and with it carries, brings shame and guilt and all the other things, these, these lies that aren't a part of your kingdom. So instead, I, I, I leave these garments behind. I walk in the newness of life where I'm clothed not by what I do, but by your righteousness. It would only make sense that we would then walk in light of that righteousness. As we go in your day, you would look like righteousness, not because you've behavior modified yourself to a spot where no one can know if you're, if you're really messing up, and not, let me say the opposite of that, not where you just continue to show this ugly side of you that's not submitted to Christ as some form of authenticity either. It's not, a, it's not a behavior thing. In fact, it's not even a comparison to everyone else in the room. It's a comparison to Christ. Our, our image is, is God. Our expectation is perfection. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna worship, but the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, he has this whole battle, like why do I do the things that I do not wanna do and yet all the things I wanna do, I struggle to do and he talks about then in the flesh, this is impossible. And so the reality is this, is that because of where we are, God has saved you. He has, he has saved you into holiness and righteousness and where you're at. The reality is we're still in these broken fleshly bodies. We have new garments, we can walk in newness, but we're still going to battle with the flesh. And the flesh of our desires, the old self, is, is, is gonna continue to push in and say, don't believe that, don't apply that, don't submit to that, disregard it, and continue to push against the truth of God while the Holy Spirit inside of us is pushing, saying, surrender to this, let me speak to you in this, let me show you what you're doing here, let me, let me lead you through these truths of the scripture. Let me, let me bring about a life that looks more like the newness that you're clothed in. How can we walk in a former way when you're already made new? Guys, if you surrender Jesus, that's not the way you learned Jesus. It's not, it's not, oh, he's some insurance policy that does not affect or change my life. No, it's God, you, you are the creator of me, and I submit myself in obedience no matter what, even if I don't like it. When I'm confronted by your scriptures, I'm submitted to them first. And sometimes that's painful and hard, but as the Apostle Paul says, it's the way you were created to be before sin entered. God, forgive us for wrestling, pushing back against your truth. God, for the individuals in the room that continue to um, bounce up against your word and just bounce off and run, God, I pray that you'd soften them. I pray that their hearts would be softened. I pray that they would... um, begin to be broken down, no matter what the cost seemingly may take to surrender to you, God. God, for the individuals in the room that continually think that they're surrendered to you, but there's no life marked by it, God, I pray that you would just wreak havoc on their hearts, break down their pride. God, for those of us in the room that, that claim maturity but continually disregard your word in another area, God, forgive us. And God, for the individuals in here that keep believing the lie that they are not worth more than the filthy rags they wore in the old self, God, redeem that. Lord, may we be a people that aren't 
afraid to, to, to surrender ourselves to your scripture despite what that may mean, what we've thought for so long, what made us feel comfortable in it, God. May we be a people that are fully, fully submitted to your word. And out of that, you would then create in us a people that walk in the new clothing by the renewing of our minds, Lord. Where we, we come to your scripture and you're continuing to bring about new thoughts, new awareness, new knowledge that brings about more obedience and ultimately you get the glory for it, Lord. I praise you for giving us your word and Lord, I pray specifically for the individuals in this room right now that um, are just struggling to read it, struggling to find value in it. God, I pray that you would just, uh, just bring about scripture this week that they never knew could apply in such an amazing way that they could then immediately submit to and see your work in it, Lord. God, for the individuals in here that are questioning whether or not they are the new self, the old self, God, I pray that they would lean into that. It wouldn't spiral them off into some deceitful, lying way of, of they're just not good enough or they'll never be able to do it, but instead would, would draw them closer to you. As your word says, ask and we will receive. Knock and the door will be open, Lord. And so I pray that for every individual here. Pray that you would open many doors this week and we would give you the glory for it. As we worship, Lord, I pray that we would worship as a people that know that we aren't even worthy to worship you, but you have graciously given us the ability to do so. And God, as we sing, may they not be um, noisy gongs, but instead would they be um, utterances out of our voices deeply and fully surrendered to you, wanting to do nothing but bring you honor and praise, which you deserve all of, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.